Good evening, everybody. We are back with our Q&A. We just thank God for the days he adds, the time he gives, whichever format to come together in his name. So everyone present here, online, everywhere, we welcome you to this Saturday's edition of Q&A. We thank you for all the questions we have. We have questions from U.S., from Middle East, from Australia, from... Mm. Canada, so. and none from India. I think Indians know all the answers. So. <laughs> Indians don't have questions. They only have answers. And, and the Indians will give the answers. So the Indians will give the Just kidding. God bless you. Shall we pray before we start? Father, we just thank you. Thank you we Lord. just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. We come at this time also into thy hands, we pray, Father, that you speak through us, through these questions, Lord, the answers you give us. Help us to be faithful to your word and to your spirit. Mm. Yes, Lord. And those who hear also will hear under the anointing, Lord. They will not receive it with their flesh or carnal understanding, but will allow the spirit to interpret it for them, Lord. So we commit both the speakers and the hearers into thy hands, O oh Lord. Be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So question number 10. We'll start with question number 10. Yes. It says, John has seen the transfigured Christ, but he had never seen anything like this. No doubt he had sensed God's presence on Patmos many times. But now God gave John a vision of Jesus Christ as he was then and is today. That was John. It is the word of God, which is true, and I believe every word of God in the living Bible. But why do preachers and pastors talk so loosely about seeing Jesus Christ with blue eyes, green eyes, blonde hair, etc.? How come they are so loose in their description of Jesus Christ? Do you think they are just deceived or their imagination runs wild? <laughs> Some of them had a heavy dinner, watched the Jesus movie, and went to sleep, and so whatever they saw. But uh, that aside, uh, we have a picture of Jesus mm. in the Bible of what he looks like. Okay, it's not a very clear picture because it is. Let's let's look at the actual picture of Jesus given. In the book of Revelation. Mm. I mean, that's the authentic picture because it's in the Word of God. Yes. So we go to Revelation chapter 1. Uh, and uh, verse 12 onwards. 12 to 16. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. <coughs> Clothed. So he looked like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white mm, like wool. So we see the color of his hair. Okay? As white as snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. So it's neither blue nor Greek. It's <laughs> fire. Okay, it's fire. <laughs> his feet were like fine brass. Mm. As if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. So this is the, and in his right hand, seven stars out of his mouth with a sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. So there are two takes on this, okay? We have to be very careful. One, this is a spiritual vision. Mm. 
yes, spiritual vision. But we have a picture of what John actually saw, when he saw. Because all these people who are talking about are seeing basically a spirit, spirit picture. Whether it's a vision or a dream or they say they were taken in the spirit. And all that is true about John. He was taken in the spirit and is seeing a picture. So one of the best things to do is always is whenever you hear somebody say they saw Jesus, compare it with one picture we have. We have a picture of this in the book of Daniel too. There is a picture, okay, of the theophany, the pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus. Mm. I mean, in a vision or a dream we have in the book of Daniel too. So here we have an actual accurate picture. So whenever whenever somebody says he saw a Jesus, it's always wise and prudent to compare with the picture we have in the Bible, picture-wise. Second, the words he says that Jesus spoke to him or to her, compare it with scripture. Does it agree with scripture? Does it agree with scripture? Or does it only agree partly? You cannot agree partly because it has to agree fully with scripture. That is a safety. We we cannot point blank say, you no, know, it's not possible for anybody to see dreams and visions. So we can't do that because it's all there in the Bible. So God does not change. So you cannot say nobody can see Jesus in a dream. Nobody can. Because Jesus has been appearing in dreams in many nations and leading people to himself. So that is there we have to live. So the question, if you look at is, how do we, how do people see? How do people see? Now, my my issue is with the picture. My issue is with the picture, because uh, what did Jesus actually look like when he was in the flesh? We have no picture. We have no picture in the Bible. Nothing is described about him. Nothing is described about him. We don't know the color of his hair. We don't know the color of his skin. We don't know his height. We don't know anything about him. Nothing is mentioned about Jesus, what he looked like. Mm. So there was a picture, but we don't have the picture. So other than this picture which we have in the book of Revelation, we have uh, we have this... Uh, and again, another picture which, which let me tell you this. Um, Jesus was from Nazareth. Yes. He was not a Nazarite. Mm-hmm. People confuse this. He was not a Nazarite. He was from Nazareth because he was just from, he was from the tribe of Judah. Mm. He did not take a Nazarite vow. Wow. Yes. Because when you take a Nazarite vow, like Samson and all, you have long hair. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you don't have it, you actually have short hair. Yes. And Paul says, Paul says, yes. Paul says it very clear. So these pictures of Jesus having long hair and all does not agree with scripture. Agree with scripture. Because if you read scripture carefully, those who had long hair were the Nazarites. They had long hair, they were not supposed to drink wine, and they were put across as a sign. Everything was a sign Awkward. of separation. Mm. This is how you distinguish. But Jesus was not a Nazarite, he was from Nazareth. So we have all these issues. See, this is what the problem with movies do. So one of the issues, movies are good in itself. I mean, we are not uh, negating movies. Okay, we have to look at the theme of the movie and the message it is portraying and to see there is no junk in between. Uh, otherwise, movies are okay. Okay, but 
But the problem with movies is that movies uh, puts pictures which may not be real. Mm. The world will say a picture is worth a thousand words, but all those thousand words may be false. Okay, may be false. Then there's another side of aspect of this. This is this is my take on it, but even I'm very uncomfortable with it. Okay, because this has come from when God spoke to Samuel first. God spoke to Samuel first. Okay, when God spoke to Samuel, the thing is that Samuel ran to Eli. Mm. Eli, Eli, who you want? So the question is, why did he run to Eli? So the the possible answer, there are two possible answers. One, only Eli is there, but there are others in the temple too. Or second, he spoke to Samuel in Eli's voice. So three times he went to him. Three times he went to the same person. Mm. So three times the voice sounded very familiar. Okay, so how do children, how does God speak to children? He speaks through the parents. Through the parents. Okay, God doesn't directly speak to a child until the child is ready to hear. But he speaks first through the parents. And when he sees the child is listening to the parents, obedient to the will of the parents, then he is able to speak to the child. Mm. One of the reasons God does not speak to most children is not that God cannot speak, but the children do not listen to their parents. Therefore, God cannot speak to them. So there is this picture about a voice. When Samuel heard the voice of God three times, the assumption is God spoke to him in the voice of Eli. Eli. So the simple question is, if God were to appear to a person in a dream, Jesus were to appear in a dream, how would he appear? How would he appear? Would he appear in a in a form in which... uh, you a person could relate exactly. and recognize. Mm. Relate and recognize is a simple question. Would he? The thing is that when these three angels uh, came to Abraham, Abraham recognized and he bowed down. Lot also recognized they were angels. They were not ordinary men. He recognized. So I'm not very comfortable with that explanation because then we will run into... All kind of problems, like to a white man, God will appear as a white man. To a black man, he will appear as a black man mm. to make them comfortable. Mm. To a brown man like us, he will appear as a brown man. Then we will run into trouble. So the simple thing is that I would stick to the picture which is in the Bible. This is what Jesus looked like. Looked like. Now, this another thing we, we need to look at. Jesus looks like this to whom? To the, to the apostle. To Apostle John, who was the closest to him, relationship-wise. Yes. The closest to Jesus was Apostle John. This is the one on his, as Jesus leaned on, because he was the kid brother. Mm. Okay, he was Jesus' baby. Mm. That's what my elder sister in Montreal calls me, mm-hmm. KB, okay, mm-hmm. kid brother. Okay, so he was, and he probably mollycoddled him. Okay, and he was the one who followed Jesus around like a puppy dog, even at the end of the cross, he was there. To the one who was closest to him on planet Earth in human terms, he reveals himself like this. 
Okay, like this. And the thing is that when he reveals himself like this, John recognizes him. John mm. recognizes him. Okay, there is no question there are who are you and all. He's not. He recognizes mm. the voice. Even though it's like many waters, he recognizes. And he tells him, if you look at what he says, if you go further down, 17. if you were 17 onwards. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forever. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. So he recognized. There's no question, who are you? Nothing is like, he knows it's Jesus. So I would say that this is the authentic picture. This is the authentic pictures. So whenever people say they saw, take it with a pinch of salt. And if they're very casual about like I said, all these have issues with a lot of people who talk about they saw Jesus and they had Chai Pe Charja and all that, this thing. I said, okay. The guy who was the closest to Jesus on planet Earth fell like one when dead. dead. When Saul of Tarsus saw the vision, heard the voice, he was blind for three days. Okay, so I'm not saying Jesus is not able or he will not, but safety is scripture. Safety is scripture. Go to scripture and see the authentic description of a person who actually saw Jesus post-resurrection. Two people saw. One is Saul of Tarsus. The other is uh, John. And John's description is much more clearer because Saul was an unbeliever. Yes, then. Yes. Okay. So we have a picture here. So that is basically what's happening. So I would say, so why are people so casual? Uh, so there is another another picture uh, in Corinthians. This is the danger, yeah, where Satan appears. Uh, like an angel of God. That is Second uh, Corinthians eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Yes. Okay, and words uh, thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen. For such a false apostle, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. No wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Boy. Okay. So now we have to be very, very Check careful. careful yes. Now I'm not passing judgments of anybody who has seen because I don't know. I haven't heard them, all of them. I don't know. But what I'm saying is there is this issue with what we call the, if there is a third heaven, there's a second heaven. There's an issue with the second heaven. The second heaven is a figment of our imagination. I'm not saying therefore it's not real, mm -hmm. but it's more imagined. The devil will allow us to imagine whatever we want. Whatever you imagine, it will be there, but it's not real. It's not real. Real in the sense like the earth is or God's heaven is. Yes. It's not real like this. It's a make-believe world. He can fool you. He can fool you. He can create uh, a kind of a system like, you uh, know, he can create a false sense of a kingdom with light and glory, everything him said. And he, and he will appear as Jesus. He will appear as Jesus and fool people. And he, he you can have Chai Pecharcha with him. He will sit with you. He will talk to you. He will give you revelations. All kinds of things can happen over there. And that's what the Bible says. He transforms into an angel of light. That is my major issue because I know that's where deception takes place. Deception. And that's where the end style uh, Illuminati Freemasonry is involved in. That is where they go. 
out of body experiences in the spirit mm. and they meet these demons and they get their power hey, all those things happen there and uh, i don't want to get into trouble so let us get into greek and roman all the greek roman gods are the gods of the second heaven all the greek roman scandinavian egyptian people who go and pay through their nose to see the first show of the great king god thor and all is basically going into realm 2 to or something that happened there mm. okay all these gods okay all these gods we are talking about in religions the greek the roman the egyptian not that they are not real but they are demons they are demons from the second heaven and if you look at all these stories they live in palaces they have this whole system and that's what the bible talks about that's where people get fooled gets fooled so if you if you let us say you you let us say i lived 3000 years ago and i lived in greece then i'm an oracle at delphi and i'm into that and i will hear and when i see a vision and in the vision zoo or athena will appear to me and speak to me and give me power to win wars that's how alexandra and all heard and won their wars they heard from the oracle they had visions with the goddesses the god of the of the war mars and all the gods of war they came and they spoke and they fought and they won but we know where the power comes from mm. we know who these gods are we know who they, and the gods of egypt were real the 10 plagues were against actually the, against, against the gods of gods mm. were against the gods and osiris and isis and seth and ra are all egyptian gods all egyptian gods okay so these are all uh, egyptian gods the the that movie called what is that mummy yeah yeah, yeah. mummy returns mummy they all that all those are egyptian gods these are all egyptian gods <clears throat> Okay, so people get fooled over there because he can show you his power, his glory, everything. And even the devil showed in a fraction of a second. He showed him all the kingdoms of this world, their glory, and said, "Worship me, I will give it to you." So he's able to do these things. That is where people have to be very, very, very careful because if you're going to realm two and you're seeing somebody who masquerades as Jesus, you will be very flippant. be very flippant upon it but if you actually go to realm 3 mm-hmm. which is the third heaven it's a completely different picture altogether because what you see is the angels worshiping jesus oh. the elders mm-hmm. and one of the things one of the things if you listen to these people who see dreams or say they have gone in the spirit and they talk about it you don't hear them talking about the worship there oh. you don't talk or hear people for angels falling on their face and elders putting you don't hear any of those things I watch these things because you read the book of revelation very carefully you see what's happening over there and in there this thing you don't hear much of any of these things you don't see them falling on the flesh prostrate and god lifting them up and this thing you don't see these things mm. so that is where you have to be very very careful though i do believe jesus does appear in dreams where the gospel is absolutely banned impossible he does speak in dreams and tells them but most of the cases where you hear you will see he was white white in a robe shining with light and he spoke to them and said i am isa but those other details are not given but most of this a lot of crackpots appear on all over tv in the us it's full of 
This we call them in the old days snake oil salesmen. This has been continuing for years together. It didn't start yesterday or today. It's been from the foundation of U.S. These guys also came. It's like ham in that boat. They also came with the Pilgrim Fathers. Okay, so and they've been selling this. And okay, I've seen Jesus. Jesus told to me, and at the end of the program, send me an offering. After seeing Jesus, why do you want an offering? Bah. So true. Whenever when I see this offering business, I said, "Thank you, God bless you. <laughs> Take care. Go your way." Okay, so I have my doubts about this, but I don't deny the fact. Also, Jesus appears. So, but let us. What I'm saying, we have a picture in the Bible. What he looks like. Go to that picture, and if you see in your vision, and you say, "But Lord." You, when Satan came to you, said, it is written. And I'm going back to what is written. And it is written from Revelation 1, 13 to 16. This is what you look like. Okay. And then when he speaks, check everything that is said. Does it agree with, with the, the word, word of God yes. or not? That's our duty. Our duty. So we have to. That's That's all I would say. Okay, because I don't want to pour cold water like Baptists do, saying all this has ceased. No, if this ceased, we will not survive. We need those gifts and these more today than before, ever before. But ultimately, what I'm trying to tell you is, these things are only connected with drawing people to Christ. This is what we need to understand. These things are only, see, Saul of Tarsus, it was to bring him to Christ. And Christ appeared. After that, you don't see. Exactly. You don't see. Okay. In, in mm. strange, extraordinary cases like Peter to go to the Gentile house, the angel had to appear. And when they had despaired of life floating in the ocean for days and weeks together, an angel had to this thing. Because right now, we need to understand this. When we actually have the Spirit of God in us, Spirit of God in us. Then the need for visions and dreams and angels. This is the, the very God in us, living mm. in us. The Spirit of God in us. So my question to people is that when the Spirit of God is in us, why do you need visions? Unless it's an extraordinary situation where it has to be confirmed with an vision. Why do you need an angelic intervention until there is need to be a physical intervention to strengthen you? A physical, the spirit can quicken your mortal bodies, but the angels come and feed you. Mm. Okay, so there's a physical intervention. Why do you need? The word is there, the spirit is there. My, my take on this is that, can a vision speak more loudly than the spirit of God? Can a dream speak more forcibly than the very Spirit of God? Because Jesus didn't need vision. He didn't really need dreams. He didn't need any of these things. There are only two in the intervention of angelic intervention in his life. That is the during the 40 what days uh, testing, temptation. And then it gets him money. Because he's showing us a pattern. He's showing us a pattern. The pattern is this forever is going to be the Spirit of God in us and with us. And he is the pattern. 
and, and over and above that pattern, we have to be very, very careful. Very, very, very careful. You know, I'm not saying if extraordinary cases we have, we have a case when uh, Philip, you know, the angel speaks, and after that, it's the Holy Spirit. Then we have a case Peter, where Peter, Peter is taken uh, out of the prison. Yes. You need an angelic intervention there. Yeah. Peter is taken out of the prison. Then in the book of Acts, we have a situation when they are floating in the, in the sea, an angel that he tells them uh, that the angel came and strengthened me. That's the only three instances. I don't see any other instance in the entire book. And the entire book of Acts is covering how many, how many years yes, it is being exactly. covered. And Paul talks about a, 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 a incident. He doesn't say clearly it is him, but we can make it it is him that he went in the spirit oh, to the third oh, yeah. heaven and he heard things that couldn't. He doesn't mention anything. anything. He doesn't give any details about it doesn't give any details about it. Because it's not allowed to. Okay, and that too all, only has an illustration, has to... Even that should not be taken as a doctrine. It's not a doctrinal thing. Exactly. He's talking about something, why God allowed this to happen to him, because pride can be a killer. Mm. Okay, that he saw all this, so he had to go through all this. That's what he's talking about. But I am very, very skeptical. But I'm not denying when people say they went to heaven and all that. I'm not denying any of those things. But I will cross-check it with scripture. Hmm. And cross-check what they heard. Does it agree with scripture? Because you can't keep on changing. Because some of these people who have supposedly seen and heard, they keep on changing what they are saying. And it becomes like, I mean, then you make God a liar. Become God a liar. You know, God a liar. So that's where it is. Hmm. <clears throat> Pastor, there's another question on uh, living in troubled times and how do we uh, deal with it. This is question number nine. It's got two parts, okay? Mm-hmm. Question number nine. What are we to make of pain and disease, injustice and evil? Although Christ, sorry, although Christ gave no explicit explicit explanation of the existence of pain and evil in the world, he gave certain implied facts which are well worth our serious consideration. How did, however, promise, uh, but how, he did, however, promise enough joy and courage, enough love and confidence in God to enable those who went his way to far more than survive. I believe we have to take the initiative and destroy evil with good. Would you agree? Go back to the question. It's very complicated. What are we to make of pain and disease, injustice and evil? Okay. You see, this is going to be there till he comes. See, we cannot change the world. Don't try it. The world cannot be changed. We cannot change the world. We have to do, because this is why they crucified Jesus. The Jews handed him over to be crucified because they wanted a king now who would throw out the Roman Empire, restore David's kingdom, and they would have their Davidic reign on earth now. And when they realized that is not going to happen, it because there's no point in we should do what should we should we do, but there's no point in changing the world and the man has not changed. Mm. Okay, man has not changed because the man has to change. Okay, it's like you know the jungle book. This thing, you know, you can take the boy out of the jungle, mm. but you can't take the, the jungle, jungle out of the boy. Boy, that's true. Okay, until you take the jungle out of the boy, you cannot civilize it. You cannot civilize him. So the first coming of Jesus Christ is to deal with sin. 
देखिए बाइबल सेज वेरी क्लियरली सेकेंड टाइम ही कम्स ही कम्स फॉर दोस्त अपार्ट फ्रॉम सेल्फ अपार्ट फ्रॉम सेल्फ so the first coming of jesus christ is because all that we are seeing is a consequences of sin so there's no point trying to deal with the consequences when you're not dealing with the cause mm. because it's like uh, it's like trimming the branches and the next time the rain comes it will grow back again so the bible says the axe has to be laid to the root the root is the cause and the cause is sin so sin has to be dealt with sin has to be dealt with Okay, sin has to be dealt with. So once that sin is dealt with, then the consequences because. So that is what salvation is personal and individual. God is dealing with one person at a time, one person at a. That's how the world is being changed. It's not being changed outside. That's what the law did. Okay, the law cannot change a person. It can only restrain abrasive behavior. And when the law is not present, the behavior continues. but that's not what god does god does is he deals with the cause deals with the cause okay so we should we fight evil yes we should fight evil but we fight evil knowing very well that we cannot change the world we cannot change the world mm. we fight it because that's the right thing to do right thing to do first we fight evil in us and then we fight evil as the spirit of god we don't run after causes we are not activists we are not activists we are a set of people who are led by the spirit of god hmm. and therefore we don't become activists yet we have to be good stewards by being good stewards like this entire vegan movement green movement are we going to change anything no but should we be good stewards of the planet yes. yes yes by being good stewards of the planet will we save this planet no no but we are proving our stewardship mm. okay so there are a lot of stuff which we do which we do because the bible is very clear faith without works i mean so we have to be very careful we are not activists yet we are doing if you go to james chapter uh 2 okay and verse 14 and 15 okay what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works can faith save him if a brother or a sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them depart in peace be warmed and filled but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body does what does it profit thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead so god is saying is that you know that is how you fight uh, hunger is evil hunger is evil so do we start a poverty eradication program no, no we no. cannot but each one if you were to see what is that we can do okay or as a church what is that we can do as a church we are not becoming activists we are not becoming activists within the capacity which god has given us and then he increases it yes that's how uh, ministries are born, born okay yes. god puts a burden you see a need you have a god given burden you try to meet it as god leads you and then the burden increases the resources come in that's how it happens so that is fighting evil but you have to take a stand against evil have to take a stand against evil 
but you also have to be very very careful that don't people do not uh, become activists because the problem the problem with this is that when you step out of the boundaries of the church and you get into activism all kinds of people join it ah oh, that's the point yes mm. all kinds of people join it mm. and then what happens is uh what happens is christ is lost in it let me tell you the the example of this is what happened in us in the past few years there was a movement idea was great make america great again trump started that movement make america but along with the whole core group of people who love the country and wanted to make america great a lot of crackpots got in they had their own idea of what america is great hmm. there are some these proud boys and all this kind of right wing extremists yes, and yes, all no yes, yes. so they may not be in the trump wagon at all but they like this slogan a group of drug addicts may get into the movement saying that let's make america great again free drugs <laughs> that is our all agenda so this this is a problem with slogans okay so we have to be very careful about movements even with this um, what you call it uh, pro life movement versus pro choice in the pro life movement what happens is all kinds of people come yes. you don't have to be a believing christian to true. believe in pro life true 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 mm. you may just have a compassion for children and you come you know that is where the danger comes in wow. you have to be very very careful without christ without christ mm. you can have a cause without christ and when you have a cause without christ there comes problems like who is a cause without christ <laughs> now we have red cross there is no either red nor cross in it so we have red cross suddenly you have uh, green crescent you have it over there so if you look at it they both seem to be doing the same work but is it the same it is not, not the same it is not the same see the problem is then what happens is they will say don't bring your god into this picture yeah. don't bring your absolutes here because we have to have compromises mm-hmm. but the problem is truth is absolute you cannot compromise over here this is the issue you so, cannot so the church has yeah so so there cannot be a political solution is what you're trying to no, say no there's no political solution, solution yes. political solution is psychic dumb cup that's a political solution wow hmm it's only one political solution so, so when we're talking about uh, let's say uh, um, there should be a kind of a change in the government so what is should be our motive when we excuse me sorry when you're praying for change in government and uh, because we are not we are not living under monarchy so we do not have uh, what you call regicide we don't want the, the king to be kicked out mm-hmm. so that's a different kind of law but we are in democracy therefore we can pray for a government to be kicked out but primarily we are basically praying for uh, a government that is fair mm. upholds the rule of law, law yes rule of law is impartial is fair and it is just okay but again the problem is uh, there are limits to it even if you have a just government and the laws have been changed then they have to be just to the law to the law that have been changed yes to the law mm-hmm. to the law therefore there is always a limit to human government absolutely yes. human governments uh, like you know like if uh, like 
the communist government in China, we will say we are absolutely just to what we believe in. <laughs> North Korean Dodo will say, I'm absolutely just in what I believe. Worship me. That's my word is law. Okay. So the problem is laws can become warped. And that's what the Antichrist will do. The Bible says he will change the laws. He will change the laws. So, so a political solution is very, very difficult. Very, very difficult. It's almost impossible to have. It will only last for a season. For it to continue the next generation also should be like that. Democracy is an experiment. It's a majority of 51%. Yeah. Okay, Indian democracy. The American democracy is better. It's a republic. It's a yes. much more, much more better. No, I mean, it's, I mean, no, they it's have an equal the, representation of the, equal the, rep- the senators. No, it doesn't matter which state you are. You only get two. Yeah. You only get two senators. Yeah. So California gets two, Minnesota gets two. So that's super. Here you doesn't work like that. Imagine, uh, UP sends ATMP, Sikkim sends two. That's it. There's okay. a social disparage. It, this, so if you have 30, um, let us say we have 30 states in India. We have 30 states in India, and every state gets to represent two people to the Rajya Sabha. The government would change. Bah. Government would change. It would be difficult for governments to pass legislation unless they took everybody abroad. But that's not what's happening here. It's, it's rule of that the is what the republic is. Mm, okay? no you can have Lok Sabha, fine, the lower, the, like the Congress. But Rajya Sabha should be like 30 states, 60 seats. Each state gets to uh, gets two people. Then suddenly, Sikkim's voice is as powerful as UP's voice. Absolutely. Here, who cares about Sikkim? Who cares about Nagaland? Who cares about? But there are also people they have equal rights as citizens of India, but you don't have it. So, democracy is an experiment. So, there's not a political solution into it. Okay. So, the simple thing is that one, uh, one, be connected to a church. Be connected to a church. Okay? Because God has only one representative body on earth. Oh, mm. It is called the church. Yes. Okay? Of course, you have organizations like uh, all this organization. That these organizations came up and accept their existence and they do a good work only because the church failed. If the church hadn't failed, this parachurch organization well, needn't have well, come. Well, yes. But because the church failed, God. But all organizations, you check their history, they have a lifespan. After that, they go down. Because God will never allow an organization to replace his body. His body is called the church. Amen. And if you look in the book of Acts, it is through the church this work took place. It is through the church this took place. Okay, And I will always say, if you look at the church and how it, because the book of Acts is a Wonderful record of how the church functioned in fighting evil. Look, fight first the evil in your own heart, in your own home. Okay. First, my children are hungry and I'm feeding the neighbor's children. Looks ridiculous. Right? Mm. So the Bible is very, very clear about it. When you are doing good, first, is to the family of believers. House of believers. And not mm. to the others. Mm. Others. Okay? And over and above that, that's, I mean, look at Jesus' answer. When the Canaanite woman asked for healing, he mm. said, bread is for the children. Wow. Bread is for the children. You are asking for something that belongs to the children. And she said, I'm, I'm satisfied with scraps. If you have any leftovers, you can give it to me. And he said, fine, take the leftovers. 
Wow. Mm. Okay. There are principles over here. Principles over here. Okay. Now, when it comes to evangelism, everybody. But when it comes to resources, when you see a case where you have a brother in the Lord who is hungry and somebody else is hungry, I would say go by scripture, not by your emotions. Not by your emotions. Let the government do it. That's a government's job. The church cannot take the government's job. The church has to do the church's job. The church's job is to take care of its own people. Okay. And the problem is if we don't do that, almost all the issues we have had, including us, including us, let's be brutally honest, including us, the issues we have is that when we start ministries, the church starts ministries with people who are not saved. And when they come to church, they create trouble. They create trouble. You you cannot start something. Let's say you start an orphanage. You start an old age home. You start this thing. And then you will automatically say, no, now come to church. But the people who are coming to church are not saved people. They're not saved people. Sami, can you lift your face up? Because I can only see your eyes mm. and you're looking very serious from me. You're staring at me. Okay, Sami. You're scaring me from behind the screen. Okay. Okay. It looks like as if you're questioning everyone and speaking. Okay. Okay. You have problems. Honestly, you will have problems. Mm. You have problems. But that's not what a church is. A church is made of families. Church is made of families. Church is made of families, where families come and their children come. And their children are all have believing parents. Parents, They have believing parents. So the children have already coming with a format in their mind. This is what at home, dad believes in this, mom believes in it, we have devotion, they're coming to church. Suddenly we start something and we have 10 people over there who have come from any other background, Muslim background, Hindu background, Buddhist background, and they are not saved, they are not sanctified, they are not separated, and we start feeding them and bring them to church. It becomes a problematic place. There's confusion over there. You cannot keep them out of church. Cannot keep them. But if you keep them in the church, it's a long, tedious program. Because the problem is, you know, they are not saved. They are not saved. They are not saved. Salvation didn't take place first. And they are not your children either. Because your children, there is an issue, there is a promise. Your children, by the faith of the believing parent, is already sanctified. But they are not your children. They are not sanctified. They're not, they're not even your spiritual children. (laughs) You didn't give birth to them in the spirit by the evangelism. They are somebody's children. They are neither sanctified nor born again and they are sitting in church. And that is what happened to so many churches. You run into trouble. Run into trouble. But you look into the Bible, that's not. So when you are fighting evil, when you are fighting evil, first fight it within and through the body of Christ. Let it go that way. Let it go that way. You see, the the, the whole issue with evangelism is They never ask God. They never ask God. What does that mean, Pastor? Meaning, 
all these churches have evangelism boards ah. and this thing. They all they never go on a fast and ask God, ah. what do you want, want us, us to do? do? Yes, they yes. never ask God. It's all programs. Raising money, funds, feeding program, that program, this program, that program, and through that attract. But the problem is when the Hindu starts, the Muslim starts, what will you say? What will you say? That is how Green Crescent began. Every religion has their own charity programs now. There's nobody. Even the Freemasons have their charity programs. Much better than most religions. That's their cover-up. That's their cover-up. Lions Club has. Everybody has their charitable problems. So in the midst of charity, Christ has been lost. So charity doesn't come first. The word of God, the gospel goes first. first. You're not feeding his stomach. You're feeding his soul first. Okay. When he fed his stomach, mm. they wanted to make him king by force. Yes. And he walked away. Absolutely. Walked away. Walked away. See, he fed them only twice. Now we try to feed them every day. But who were fed every day? The widows and the orphans okay. in the church were fed every day. Because those days, widows, to be a widow was a terrible thing. That's it, yeah. terrible, terrible. But today, no. It's not widows. The world system has changed. You can find a job. You can find a job. You can be taken care of. So you have to look at these formats and we have to be brutally honest with ourselves and said, I goofed up. I goofed up. I would say that if the church were to take care of anything, they should take care of the people nobody wants. The mentally retarded. <laughs> you know, the Down syndrome babies. Because you don't have to worry about their souls anyway. Safe. Their souls are safe. Take care of them. And the other religious people also will not come and fight with you because they also don't want them. <laughs> they also don't want them. Mm. Okay? But the ones who are normal, I would say, first let them get saved. Let them get saved. Okay? Because you can't look at the, the format like, oh, uh, what is his name? George Muller and this one. But these were all in Christian nations. nations yeah. These were not in non-Christian nations. Mm. In non-Christian nations, there was only one command. Go and preach the gospel and make disciples of all. He didn't say go start a school first. He didn't say any of these things first. He said go preach the gospel. And when people get saved, the poor come into the church that's what you see the format from Jerusalem onwards. They come into the church, they get saved, and now you realize this is the family of God, and many of them are very, very poor, and some of them have money, so they say, let's take care of them. And they give it to the apostles, they um, appoint seven people to take care of it. It is all happening within the church. They didn't go out and start anything. But in Christian nations, it's a different thing. It is a Christian nation. But now there are no Christian nations. The government is taking over all these things. It's okay. Let the government do it. But one thing the government should never stop. It is the preaching of the gospel. Because Jesus says, what does it profit you? If you gain the whole world and lose your souls. The church has to still go. Still go. Yes, where there is a need, you should feel all that is there. You have to do it. But don't make that your focus. Don't make that your focus because the problem is you will lose the message. You will lose the message. I don't see any place in the Bible where Jesus fed anybody without preaching to them first. Yep. He preached the gospel and okay. then, then and cleansed the lepers, healed the sick. Because over the past years when systems changed in this country, 
and uh, we used to have all these ministries and when they started calling us to come to the prisons and all and this thing for christmas and all i kept saying one thing you should ask them we will come bring gifts and we will give only on one condition you allow us to preach, preach the gospel yes no 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 you can't preach goodbye <laughs> we are not coming we are not coming if you don't allow us to preach we are not coming no but give send your gifts no you know what the christmas gift is god Christ. sent his son you don't want the son you don't have anything else with the son he gives all things if the son is not welcome i am not going there i am not going there even with healing even with deliverance do you know what he said preach the kingdom and heal and the sick yes. he didn't say heal the sick yeah. he said preach the kingdom mm. and heal because this is a sign of what is coming so do that don't heal the sick without preaching preach the kingdom because what's the point of having a healthy body healed and delivered and go to hell at the end is pointless so i i, I look at maybe you may think i am wrong but i am looking at in in the in the light of uh, scripture the light of scripture but if you have over and much you feed anybody from anything it's not a crime it's a good thing see beggar on the road feed them give them clothe them do all that but like our dear pastor ramesh does sit with them and give them the gospel also that's what he that's why i love his ministry he just and doesn't give he has a heart because he came from there god picked him up from there so he's got this heart for them and god supplies him regularly to take care of these people but he gives them the gospel and he will sit with them and he will pray with them and he will give them the gospel then do it but when that is not there it's a pointless work you're feeding the stomach and ignoring the soul while christ came to save the soul, the soul. and not to save the body hmm. to save the soul because food for the stomach stomach for the food Water both destroyed. will be destroyed but we need to have a stand about abortion pro choice or homosexuality transgender all these things destroy the soul yes and therefore we are against it therefore we are against mm-hmm. it. you need to understand why we are against it. Logic, every yeah. one of these things will destroy your soul mm-hmm. ultimately you will end up in perdition if you are not careful you can be a homosexual and practice safe sex and your body be fine but your soul can be destroyed will be destroyed we can have all the modern these things to see that okay i am very very careful about it i am not going to get any communicable diseases practicing safe sex what happens to your soul what happens to your soul, soul. so that is why anything that affects the eternity of your soul we are against it against mm. it that is where you take your stance that is how you fight evil you need to have these things very very clear about transgenderism we are against it why it will affect your soul god is very clear he made the male and female in the beginning that's what you are you cannot flip flop flip flop you cannot do that it is not you will destroy that person's soul will destroy that person's soul so when it comes to we look at the soul first because he's a shepherd of our soul he's saving our soul he's not saving my body mm-hmm. he's saving my soul if my body is being saved then i should look younger and younger as on the other <laughs> hand we are all looking older and weaker as we grow it's the soul but the question it's about the soul so when you're fighting 
you have to look at what does this do to the soul? Soul. soul to the soul. So when you feed somebody and refuse to give him or her the gospel, you are doing a disservice to that person. Mm. You ignored his soul. Ignored his soul. And you will see, I'm not mentioning religions, you will see that in the religion. The people who won't feed a single person will go early in the morning on their bike and car and feed all the dogs on the street. Because they don't understand the soul. Because for them, the soul of the dog and the soul of the man is the same. It's no difference. Understand? That's what I'm talking about. If you ignore the value of a human soul, what is the value of the human soul is equal to the life of God's son. That's the price that is paid. But when you ignore that, then everything is charity. No? Because that's what that religion teaches. No? That's what that religion teaches. So 10 crores and crores and crores and crores and crores budgeted into government for taking care of cows. While people die. I have no issues with taking care of cows. I mean, please understand, I have no issue. I love cows. My grandfather cows. So all these cows that come on the road, they know me. And I pat them too. I have no issues with They're all lovely creatures. They're all lovely creatures. But I, we don't worship them. But the problem is cows need to be taken care of, but not at the cost of human souls. That is the issue. The issue is, when I'm putting my money, where am I putting this money? When I put this money here, how is it affecting here? When I'm putting a money on something, how is it affecting a human soul? Not at the cost of a human soul. You know, we should show compassion because that's all God's creatures. Okay, all God's creatures have no. See, the creatures are all all nice because God made them. There are no issues. If man hadn't sinned, even the animals would have been kind to us. You know, man is a problem. So we have to be very, very careful about this because the social work can become very dangerous. Mm. Yes, Pastor. So yes. If you look at the um, the book of Acts, you mm. see there's a, there's a church in Jerusalem and there's a church in Antioch. Mm. Um, so church in the Jerusalem, after a while, of course, they started with incredible mm. promise. But after a while, it kind of became internalized, meaning they started looking at them, their own selves. And they had to go through persecution for the church to get scattered and start preaching preaching the gospel. Whereas you see the church in Antioch, you see that they're very mission-oriented. They're sending people into the mission field. So what the primary purpose of the church uh, should have been... See, uh, though it's not mentioned very clearly, we know for the fact Jerusalem church was a mission-oriented church because all the apostles went. Ultimately, they all were. Uh-huh. Only James was there. And James was not one of the same group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James was Jesus' brother. brother. He was the head of the church over there. But it was also a mission because it went from Jerusalem. But the people were like, you know, um, we are assuming persecution started and they were scattered. But Bible doesn't say the apostles were scattered. They were still there. In Jerusalem. Okay, but I don't think this is the first 11 core apostles. I believe they all went. They all went to the end. So Thomas came here and all of them came here. Because I think he came here in 59, 80. He came to Kerala in 59. If Jesus died in 33, so we are talking about in 20 years time, okay, 25 years time, he's here. He's here. So the Acts whole history, we do not know. So, but Antioch, see, the church is also growing 
and understanding better. Like if you read Acts where the Jerusalem council gathers, mm. they're only giving three commands for the Gentile yes. churches. But that's not the only commands. Yes, yes. It is, they're babies. Just yes, initially, yes. Don't have, after that, all the things are, are being going. taught. Yes. This thing. But even if you look over there, whenever there is a famine, this thing, it is all for the churches. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is not for the others. Yes. So they look at them and say, wow, what love these people have for, for each other. other. One another. I'm not saying if you're over and above, you shouldn't help the others. But you should first take care of yourself, your own people. You should take care of your own people. America had so much wealth and that's why they sent, I mean, they always helped everybody. But now America is neck high in debt and they're borrowing from China to help somebody else. Doesn't make any sense. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. The government took over all those things. I'm not saying you shouldn't help. The American church always helped other people. It's because Tamil church was very wealthy. But now homelessness is all over the U.S. I don't think in some streets of SFO and all you have more people than you have in Hyderabad. Yeah, yeah, true. Homeless people. I mean, you look at SFO streets and you look at Hyderabad streets. Our homeless seems to be better taken care of. This is 2011. Yeah, so bad it is. So now you have to get your act right and start taking care of your own people. people. You need to go over there. The churches need to get in. Because these are all from Christian families. These are all Christian families, people who have lost. You need to go and take care of your own people. Go over there and give them the gospel. Help them all out. Okay. And that will be your testimony by taking care of yourself. No, because otherwise they will say, physician, heal yourself. Mm-hmm. True. No? So we have to. What I'm saying is that when we fight evil, it is at many levels. But ultimately, what is evil? Jesus says, what goes into your mouth, don't worry about it. It will go out also. Mm. It's not what comes out. Ideas. Hmm. These things will destroy you. So be very, very, very careful about this and take a stand against it. Take a personal stand. Then allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and he will tell you how to, how to do it. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So there's another question because this is, this is related to the church. Mm-hmm. I think you should look at it. This is question number six. Mm-hmm. Uh, it says, um, again, it's a two-part question. Uh, the fullest expression of God's authority is found in the body of Christ, his church. Though God has established the procedure of authority in the world, none of those relationships, rulers and people, parents and children, husbands and wives, masters and servants, can give authority its fullest expression. Would you have the answer to this? Why don't we give authority to its to, to its fullest? Do you do you say because man is dishonest and you cannot trust man? Uh, let's go to that first part. Okay, I uh, see. When you say the fullest expression of God's authority is found in the body of Christ, His Church, we have to be very very careful about it because uh, when we talk about the church, the church is a invisible entity. Mm. Is both visible and, and invisible. We cannot see the whole church. And the whole church only Christ knows. So when you are talking about authority vested in the church, it doesn't work like what we think it is. With Christ it is different. When Christ was on planet earth, he had the fullness of God, the spirit of God in him, but he exercised authority only where his father told him. When two people were fighting over their possessions, he said, that's not, my, that's not my business. He did not cross boundaries that had been set by his father. So the church also has been only been given limited authority. Mm. 
Church does not have political authority. Okay, now let us take us. Now let us take us as a church. Let us take GTC as a church. Okay, that's a church. What is the expression of God's authority found in the church? Let me put it across this way. We are a church. Let's say we have 100 people in the church. Okay, just to make it simple, 100, 100 people. And let us say 25 families, 25 into 4, 25 families, okay, 4 people from. Let's make it simple math, okay, not complicated, simple. Pastor James <laughs> math, not Pastor Vijay math, okay. 25 families, 4 members each and 100 people and 2 pastors. So the authority is given to the pastors. The pastors don't interfere in the families. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> that is out of boundary. Yes. They give counsel. They come to us. We counsel them. We hear about it. We call. We ask accountability, this thing and all. Where do pastors primarily exercise their authority? They exercise the authority where it is directly connected with the church. Okay, let us tomorrow is Sunday. Tomorrow is Sunday from 9 to 12 is our service. Everything that happens between 9 to 12 over there, I'm accountable. Yes. Okay, I'm accountable. We are accountable. I'm accountable. Primarily as a senior pastor, I'm more accountable because if anything goes wrong, they won't go to him. They will come to him. Mm -hmm. And God won't ask him. He will ask me. Okay, accountable. But therefore, therefore, we exercise authority there. What happens with the worship team? It is not for private this thing over there. It is not your family business. That 20 minutes, we are accountable. Though you may be singing, performing, whatever, however you want to put it over there, we are accountable. When we call somebody to pray, they may pray, we are accountable. We are accountable. What happens with the sound system, everything, though Sammy and others will be handling it, we are accountable. We are accountable. Accountability comes. Because you cannot have authority without accountability. accountability yes. <laughs> cannot have authority without accountability. Absolutely. <laughs> you want authority, then you have to have to have accountability. So the simple question is, God does not come and ask Eve. He comes and asks Adam. Where are you? What? Who told you? What have you done? Why? Accountability was given to him. We saw the two words Pastor Vijay used today over and over. We had to tend and to, to keep. keep. He was accountable. He was given authority. He was questioned. Okay. And the devil knew it very well. So he went over his head and went to the woman and started the whole mess. That is where authority. So the fullest expression of authority, because with authority comes uh, what you call it with uh, accountability and in the church what is the maximum authority the church can exercise on a member is to disfellowship That's it. what there is a legal procedure in the bible also for that they'll go through this process and finally if they don't disfellowship them treat them as a gentile have cut off what is that then the pastor has to tell the rest of the congregation, this person has been disfellowshipped. All of you have to cut off from that person. That is the law. So that that person will feel the pain. 
then only restoration can take place. But that, that kind of people don't even act, uh, recognize that kind of authority. One uh, person is disfellowshipped. Everybody is still in touch with that person. Or that person will immediately go to another church. The church will make him a worship leader. So the church does not function that way, though that is the way it is supposed to function. Why it is whole this thing? The whole, whole what you call it, whole intent is restoration. Even when Paul oh, in the Corinthian hands over somebody to Satan. It's destruction of the flesh, but the saving okay. of the soul. Mm. That is the ultimate. Mm. It is not even disfellowshipping. Mm. Taking the hand of protection away and says, I hand this fellow over to the devil to do whatever the devil wants so that his soul may be saved. You know, soul may be saved. That is why pastors have to be very, very, very careful. Like when, uh, when somebody new comes to church and we get no excited. No, we are said, don't get excited. First find, after some time you'll find out. Because somebody may come to the church having created havoc in another church. Mm. And we don't welcome with them with a garland. Mm. No. Because that person is not going to be a blessing here. When you are blessed, he's not going to stay here also. If he stays, you may create problems. Okay? So everything has to be walked through the old first century church. You didn't have to trouble because every city had only one church. Mm. So your disfellowship, you have nowhere to go. If you left the church in Corinth, you have to go to Ephesus to find another fellowship. By the time the letter would have reached there, this fellow is coming, don't take him in. <laughs> okay? So to be, to be, like, honestly, if you look at the pro- procedure in the book of Acts, to be disfellowship is like throwing your child out on the street. There's nowhere to go. He's cut off completely. And the only way he will come back is the prodigal son comes back and says, I'm sorry. Please take me back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because that man repents. He yes. comes back. But in those cases, it was all ignorance. They didn't know the law was the ways of life. So we need to understand when you're talking about the expression of God's authority, uh, in this way, no. This way, no. Because we have localized churches, so many branches, so many denominations, so many doctrines. So the expression of God's authority cannot be manifested in any church. That is gone. It will be manifested when Christ comes back through his saints. And that is his church. Through that, the full expression of his authority. Christ is not going to go everywhere, but his church is going to rule everywhere. And he will rule through them. It's going to happen. So, but coming down to the simple unit level is where it can be exercised the best. Mm. The fullest expression of God's authority can be expressed in a home. In a home. It's the best place where it can be expressed. Because a man absolutely under God and this woman absolutely under this man and these children absolutely under the parents. And you have those 25 families come over there. You have an expression of God's authority in that church. You cannot change the whole without changing the units. But you cannot change the units. The units have to change by themselves. The pastor cannot change the families. The families have to change by themselves. He can only preach. And he can only give counsel. When they go out of line, out of boundaries, he can only have strictures, but he cannot change them. Each one has to choose. So the fullest expression, actually the fullest expression in its mind is in the home. Or an individual. An individual. 
And we will see we have individuals like that, solely committed to God. No issues with them. Don't have to give them counsel. Don't have to tell them what to do. They are there. And actually the church runs on a few people like that. And that's what the Bible is talking about. And in them, an expression of God. When you are talking about authority, we are not talking about sun stand still and thunderbolt. We are not talking about <laughs> that. Your authority and power should be expressed in what God wants you to do. <laughs> okay? What are you called to do? What does God want you to do in the body of Christ? That is where the full expression has to be there. Full expression has to be there. Expression is not doing all the things which God did never asked you to do. No, never asked you to do so. That is where it comes. So I personally see it's it's one the individual and then the family and the church. Let me say, almost impossible. You should never say impossible because all things are possible. Almost impossible because the church is a it's a body. It's for forever growing. Forever growing. New people are there, young people are growing, babies are being born. To have a full expression in that, it will be difficult. Because to have a full expression, the entire unit has thing, to come together. unit has to come together with one purpose, one intention, all being led in the same way by the Spirit of God. Mm. It's possible in a home. Even in a home, it is so difficult. Yes. Possible in a home. Ultimately, it is possible in an individual. Individual, oh. like a Paul, a person, like why were some individuals like Paul and you so much? It's because the expression of God's authority in that man completely, totally surrendered to the will of God and the purposes of God. But even he made so many goof-ups. All of them made goof-ups. So only one expression we have is Christ. And the Bible says in him, the fullness, fullness of, of God. Godhead. Why? Because yeah. mm. absolutely surrendered to the will of God. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, this is another question. This is, uh, again, a two-part question. Um, this there was is a pa- question from last week. Yes, right? Pastor, I'm looking at that also. Let me... Or, let me the accuser... Okay, in the Old Covenant, we see Satan access appeared. That's a so very interesting question. Question number seven. Should we uh, look at it, Pastor? Yeah, like, yes, is it? I mean, it's a difficult question, but it's a very good question. Yeah. So, so in the old covenant, we see that Satan accessed, appeared before throne room of God multiple times. For example, he accused Job and accused Joshua before Jesus' crucifixion, crucifixion, accused Peter, asked permission from God to sift him, etc. However, Jesus refers to Satan's fall from heaven in Luke, Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 18. Does he refer to the original fall before the temptation at the Garden of Eden? Or is it the fall or Satan that of Satan that happened after resurrection and has he been denied access to heaven once and for all? For all, mm-hmm. Revelation twelve verse nine says, "Is it the final casting out of Satan during the great tribulation?" The question is, does Satan still have access to the throne room of God to accuse the children of God after resurrection, or has he been denied access once and for all after resurrection, as we've been redeemed and made righteous through Christ? So he can't accuse us before God in heaven, but wars in our mind and in our situations directly? If you look at, I mean, it's a very, very good question. Okay, that's from Australia. If you go to Revelation, okay, Revelation chapter 12, and word 7, 
The war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was any place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of all old called devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. So it hasn't happened yet. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So if you look at verse 10, he has access. His access until that time. Until that time. Okay, because this is, this is like I said about it, it's a sling kind of a thing. When he is cast down, the church is taken out. Mm. He has nobody left to accuse. The redeemed church is gone. Okay, so that's how I see it. But he has access. See, in the spiritual realm, when you are talking about access, it is not like we think about access in the physical mm. realm. Yes. Okay, it's a spiritual realm. It's a spiritual realm. But that's what uh, she's also saying. Also, yeah. for a second about the mind. It's in the yeah. mind. It could be in the mind as well. It it can be because see the Holy Spirit at, at at a real level over there and another level over here in my mind. The 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 devil can be accusing me to the spirit of God that is in me. Yes. Okay, but it's more than that too. Because we see in the Bible too, there are real things that are taking place. There is an accuser and there is an advocate. There is an advocate in 1 John 2, 1, Jesus is called the advocate. So he is our defense advocate. This is the prosecution advocate. So that is also there. So if you look at it, he has, he has access. He can, he can accuse. You know, he can accuse. Because if he doesn't accuse, then uh, this whole battle that is going on does not work. Okay, he's the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who is accusing us before God. Because if his accusation does not hold, then I don't have to repent. The Holy Spirit does not have to convict. I don't have to confess. <laughs> all these things, if um, you look at yeah, it, they all go the in chain a chain. Reaction. It's, yeah, all chain reaction, it's yes. a chain reaction. Okay, it's all happening together. Okay. So, that is still there. It is still there. Okay, But how it happens in the spirit, the secret things belong to God. But we know it happens. How is it happening now? We know in Job's case, but we also know Satan, when he talks about Satan, as God asks Satan, so... In this case, we have 8 billion people on planet Earth and Satan is just one being. Is he going there accusing 8 billion people? Impossible for him because he is not God. So there has to be demons with all the people, multiple demons with all the people who are screening us, watching us, taking tabs. So how is it all happening? We don't know. In Job's case, he was the most righteous man, so Satan went after him and God asked personally, do you this guy? Do you know this guy? Zachariah also was a high priest in that case. Yes, Jesus also, the devil went after him personally to 
boast that Satan comes after me itself is pride. He says, I got better things to do than come after you. I'll send one of those small fellows to come <laughs> after you. Okay. So, <laughs> okay. So, I don't think he's going to waste so much time with any one of us because he's got a bigger fish to catch. But he has his millions, millions and millions and millions of demons and fallen angels and all of them. So, how it works, we do not know. But accusation goes on. Okay. Accusation. Like, Pastor Vijay t- talks about his story about driving from New York to Canada with all his guilty friends <laughs> and when they did not have the license. You know, remember how that Chalana, we call it Chalana, <laughs> state of New York. So when, 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 the Bi- when the Bible says Satan accuses, it could be any one of his demons, but said Satan. The one prosecutor from somewhere who will be presenting your case, but the state of New York. The whole state is not going to come to the court. But the person who is representing the state, he will be returned state. So when it says Satan accuses, it means my demon accuses on behalf of Satan. Satan. <laughs> his boss, his king, <laughs> the state of Satan. <laughs> But in Jesus' case, he personally can intervene in everybody's case because of who he is. He's God, omniscient, present everywhere. Mm. So he doesn't need... uh, But again, he uses angels. Okay, because if basic children's angel have access to the Father and also he also uses angels. Does he need angels? No. Does he need me? No, he doesn't. But he uses us in his creation. Yes. So super. Yes. <laughs> Pastor, there's another very important, interesting question. This is uh, question number four. Our willpower versus the power of the Holy Spirit to obey. This is Philippians chapter 2 verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. I have to choose as God has given me a will. At the same time, I cannot do anything in my own power, but only by the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit. So could you please explain what is the role of my will versus the role of the Holy Spirit to help me obey the Lord? How do these both work together? With an example. Hmm, very good question. I wonder who asked this question. <laughs> okay. okay, now we need to understand. Okay, now... Uh, let me... Uh, let me give you this example. There is only one power. It's the power of God. Okay? When you talk about power, now there is electricity, there is power. I said there are three uses. You can use it, you can misuse it, it, or you can abuse it. There is a person and there is power. Okay? These are not the same. There is God and there is power. So there is only God's power. When Satan is using, he is using God's power. But he is abusing God's power. Okay. Mm. Okay. Let's talk about example as money. We have three people here sitting. Let us say three. Dr. Richard is hidden nicely. But we have three people here. (laughs) Okay. So I take, let us say, a 500 rupee note, give one to Samir. One to... Sammy and one to Roshan. Okay, 500 each. He uses it. He misuses it. He abuses it. He says, oh, I got 500 rupees. I'm going home. Let me buy something for Joanna. It's a good use. Sammy says, let me go buy a packet of cigarettes. (laughs) Okay. He misuses it. He takes it and he tears it apart. 
he abuses it. The power was mine. Power mm. was mine. I gave you the power. And I gave you the free will. And I gave you the instructions how to use it. Instructions were given. Use it for good. But you took that free will and the power from mine. Because if Satan has power on its own, then he is an entity equal to God. Mm. God created him. So when God created him, he made him full of wisdom and beauty. So the wisdom was given by God. Beauty was given by God. Power was given by God. Anointing was given. All given by God. So Satan is not using anything that is his. Because he does not have. Only God... To God belongs everything. everything. Yes, everything belongs to God because nobody outside God has created anything to say it is mine. His dominions, powers, everything, everything is, belongs to Him. Yes, that's everything. Right. Is mm. Colossians. Okay. Yeah. Mm. So the thing is that mm. I have my will, and have God's will. Then, even when I am using my will against God's will, I am using God's power. <laughs> See, when I get up, I am getting up with His strength, which is God's. Because he gave it to me. He gave it to me. It's God's. Mm. Okay. What gave me strength? The food. Who created the food? God. Who gave me hands? God. Who made the plate? God. Who made the head? Everything is God's. So all the, from the supply chain from the beginning to the end, everything is God's. So he gave me the strength to use my will for his will. But I can refuse to do it. So what happens is, as we start learning the will of God and we grow in the will of God, I'm using the strength which I earlier had, which I used to abuse and misuse, now to use it the way God mm. intended it to use. Yes. So, lot of things, the Spirit of God or God does not have to tell us on a day-to-day basis because it's already told. Now we know it. Mm. Now God says... Use your will. And my strength, which you think is yours, which is mine, given to you, to do what I tell you to do. So we can do it. But in extraordinary cases or in certain cases, we will have to ask God. Mm. It's always good to ask God about everything. It's a very good thing to ask God about everything. Even the things which we think we know, don't take it for granted. Like tomorrow breakfast, Okay, what should I eat? It's not the right question. The right question is, Dad, do you want me to eat? Mm. Yes. Do you want me to eat? Why? Dad, I can eat. You're giving me the free will. But I want to ask, Dad, do I have to eat? Should I eat today or not? Or skip? Should I fast today? Because you know what is awaiting me. Yes. Do I need more strength? Do I need more strength? From eating, which is a physical strength, or do I need more spiritual strength by not eating? This is how you involve the Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Even even the simple things, okay? Simple things. I mean, honestly, I'm telling you, okay? Let us say, you wake up in the morning, you're going. Okay, I'm, I'm giving you practical examples, real life examples that happens. Okay, let us say uh, you're going out or whatever it is. Okay, and you ask, Lord, which shoe do you want me to wear? No, nobody would even think about those kind of questions. Okay, and God says, wear your black sketches. Okay, so you wear your black sketches because He told you. Okay, now let us say you go to the airport. 
And suddenly somebody says, oh, I did not know that there were black sketchers. Then you start a conversation with them. Yeah, and you know what? Sketchers is the best uh, shoes around because it's very comfortable for my feet. And you know what? Because I stand and preach for hours. Oh, you are a preacher. And you open a door, door. for evangelism because you asked your father what to wear on your feet that mm. morning. Come out. Mm. And people don't realize mm. you have to include God mm. in every detail. Mm. Because he will tell, this is, I mean, is there anything wrong wearing whatever you want? He says no. But if you ask me, I will tell you. And if I tell you, Rama, there's a purpose behind it. There's a purpose behind it. Mm. I will purpose. Purpose behind it. Okay. And sometimes you will say, what purpose is there? I did what he said. I didn't see any purpose. And God said, you know what? I, I liked how you looked that day. Mm. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, I like it because you dress for me. <laughs> you know, husbands and wives are very happy. If the wife dresses for the husband, the husband is very happy. The husband dresses for the wife, the wife is very happy. They're not dressing for anybody else. They get very unhappy if they dress for somebody else. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> right? <laughs> but if you dress for each other, they're very happy. Mm. Okay, so you bring God into the picture. See, you have to get God into the picture. Little by little by little by little by little. Big decisions, small decisions. So, but a lot of things God has already told us. So, when I'm using my will to obey God, whose strength is it? It is the power of the Holy Spirit. Because with the power of the Holy Spirit, nothing is happening anywhere here. The, the power factor of God is the Holy Spirit. Yes. The word factor of God is Jesus. Mm. And God is an overall in control. So, when you are talking about power, it is always the Holy Spirit. Okay, now there is a person and there is power, like the illustration I use. There is a person, me, and there is the money. And I can give you all 500 rupees and say, use it for good. Okay, or give you very clear instructions. You know what, what to do with it. But one person does it. The other person did not do it. Other person abused it. What happens? The power was mine. It was God's power. It was not the devil's power. It was not the devil's power. Even the wisdom which the devil gives people was the wisdom given to him by God. Mm. The devil can give you wisdom, breakthroughs, all kind of things he can give you. But who gave him the wisdom? The devil can give you riches. But whose riches are they? They're God's riches. The earth and the fullness belongs to God. Belongs to God. So that is how we have to look at it. You know? So that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Spirit comes in. So basically what you are doing is that's what the Bible says in Romans 6, right? The instruments of your body, which you once used for unrighteousness, now you use it for righteousness. So the instruments were all, always the same. <laughs> and the strength you used also was the same. Only thing you have changed now from using it for this, you're using it for this. And that's how it works on a day-to-day -day basis. But like Jesus, you look at his life, that's how he lived. And there is a Holy Spirit who is willing to guide you. Excuse me. <coughs> yes, Pastor. The, so when when we when uh, they say in the Book of Acts, mm. you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. That's so, a different ah, power. So when you this, that's that is basically the power uh, to become His witnesses. Ah, ah. It, it includes the miracles that will take place. It is, includes the power 
power or what you call it i would say the courage and the strength to become witnesses mm, boldness means yeah. to become witnesses mm. all that no you will see so that's why second time they go over and ask for more mm. boldness mm. okay the words to speak the anointing to flow all that kind of this thing that's no? that's, the that's, mm. that's a this he says you then you will be my witnesses mm. mm-hmm. but that is primarily got to do with one living as the witness of Christ Jesus in your private setting but more than that it's a ministry setting it's, it's also a ministry so he said don't go out mm-hmm. don't go out until you cause you know what your words cannot convince anybody when you were with me i gave you like most spirit that was upon he gave them mm, his charisma that was upon him but now that i am gone you need to wait until the holy spirit comes upon you even he started his ministry only when the holy spirit came upon him and then he comes and says the spirit of the lord has anointed me mm. to set the he is asking for the same thing for them nothing different mm. he was born of the spirit on the e- evening of the resurrection sunday they were born of the spirit when he breathed the spirit upon them and then he said wait and 50 days later they were all endued with power these are the two things the holy spirit comes the holy spirit comes in us and the holy spirit comes upon oh, us gosh. old testament they had the holy spirit upon them, them but he also left <laughs> they did not have the holy spirit in them like we have born of the holy spirit they did not have did not have they did not have they had the empowerment so you see great <clears throat> miracles great ministries and all that but they could not overcome sin mm. because they were not born of the holy spirit we have given that facility we can overcome sin because we are born without sin born mm. again without the sin nature at all yes pastor so there's another very uh, interesting question this is uh, question number 1 has been there for a while no. Uh, the person asks pastor in the bible many other books are mentioned this is mr isaac from chennai sorry we have a question from chennai uh-huh. isaac uh-huh. mato uh-huh. why why are they not in the canon and if they are not divinely inspired by god why are they even mentioned couldn't god just remove them here are the instances and the passages the book of nathan chapter 1 of uh, 1 chronicles chapter 29 29 the book of samuel the seer first chronicles 29 29 the, the book of god the seer Uh, 1 uh, Chronicles 29 29 the book of Shemaiah the prophet 2 Chronicles 12 15 the history of Jehu the son of Hanani 2 Chronicles 12 34 20 34 yes 20 34 yeah these books are there but we also need to realize the books are lost the books are lost okay and uh, we have to they are mentioned they were used during that time and that period okay so my understanding of this is that these books were only for those seasons what have been given is for all seasons mm. okay it was only for that season whatever has been preserved let us say by the spirit of god let, let us not say man because there is man and over and above that there is the spirit of god what has been preserved till today has been preserved by the holy spirit and that's all we need whatever has not been preserved we do not know yeah. why the secret things belong to god those books were there like the book of another one is the, they call the book of enoch you uh, know all this but that's so much in people read people who haven't read the bible also read that they come with their prophetic gifts okay <laughs> the problem is we have this word which has been been preserved by the spirit of god and this once where there it was there this one letter to the ch- I, i would love yeah. to read paul's letter to the church in laodicea, laodicea. what did he have to tell them mm, but that letter is not there that was lost okay so god has what god has preserved it is there 
you gave, what has God has preserved, it is there. What God has not preserved, for his own reasons. Like I said, secret things belong to God. These are intellectual queries. Which is good. There's nothing wrong with it. But it does not change the overall purpose of God. Overall purpose of God in any man can be fulfilled with what we have. If we needed one more book, then God would have seen this book would have been saved. But God did not. He said, this is enough. With Revelation, what we use the term, the canon has been closed. You cannot add any more. The canon has been closed with the book of Revelation. And that's the final warning. In Revelation 22, you have the final warning. Don't add. Stop, don't add. Don't subtract. It closes. So Genesis 1.1, Revelation 22.21, the canon is between this. These ones were there, but we don't know. Been, probably it was only relevant to them at that time, like the book of God or the book of Shammai the prophet, Okay, the history of Jehu. It was relevant to them. What we needed to learn about Jehu, yes, we sir. have it there. That's enough. Praise God. So now, again, another question. This is question number two. Uh, it's been also there for a while. Did Adam and Eve ever see God before they sinned? Or they just heard God? Bible does say, commanded what? Uh, the, the uh, Bible does say commanded voice and presence in the book of Genesis. Was it physical presence or were they, or were they separated post they sinned, they sinned mm. of the, uh, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Uh, we have been given time to repent, which is not given to the heavenly host who sinned. <laughs> the only reason being humans never saw God and angels, good and bad saw God. Humans received mercy, redemption only on that ground. Need clarity on the same. Okay, please. This, my students back in the 1980s also used to make that spelling mistake. It's angles, okay? Angels is A-N-G-E-L-S, okay? Everybody makes it. Pastor Vijay will say whether there are good and bad angles. I can say there are good and bad angels. But my kids, I couldn't help it. My kids used to make the saves to my students, okay? So, so if you go back to it, see... Uh, When Adam and Eve saw God, please remember this, Adam and Eve saw God in Adam and Eve's setting. Mm. When the angels saw God, they saw God in his setting. And there is a difference. Wow. You get, are you seeing the difference? Mm, yes, okay. yes. There is Eden. It's a material world. It's a physical world. All material animals, physical, everything. And God is the one who comes there in the cool of the evening every day. Let us say early in the morning for us. For them cool of the evening because the evening and the uh, morning was the first day. Mm. Okay, The evening and the morning, morning was the first day. So evening since the their day is beginning in the evening, he comes in the cool of the evening. So if he is the one who is coming, they are not the one going because they don't have access into that realm. They don't have access into that realm. So they are seeing God more like we see each other. Like the angels coming, you know, like that. They're seeing him in a physical, what we call it, pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. That's how they are seeing him. So it is Jesus. I still believe it is not God the Father or the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus who comes there to meet them, talk with them, fellowship with them. That's all they see, their understanding of God. Of seeing, hearing, voice, everything, all that, this thing. But when you are talking, when you go to the second part of the question, when you are talking about the angels, that's not how they experience God. Satan was very in the very presence of God. He was the anointed cherub. 
So he saw God in the spiritual realm. So when he falls, there's no room for repentance. It's not oh, room for repentance. It's hmm. not room for repentance. Okay, that's why God is protecting us and redeeming us through it so that when we are finally in the new creation, we are away from the presence of sin, sin. everything, we will never fall. Again. Bah. Never fall again. Never fall again. So this is all God's brilliance, how he had planned it all out. So here, the angels <laughs> saw God in his setting. They knew him as he was. Okay, they saw the whole thing. They see Hamid's glory, his holiness, his righteousness, everything they have seen and they fell. So there is no redemption for them. There's no redemption for them, no? So, so, as Derek Prince would say, when he made angels, he made from the highest form of matter, which is light. And he fell. So when he made human beings, he went to the lowest and made him from dust so that he cannot fall lower than that. He came from, so the man can only go higher. He cannot go down below this thing. So God made man from dust. Okay, so they, they cannot receive mercy. They cannot receive mercy. Because, you know, that's what the the Bible says, how do they receive mercy? On what, on what basis do they receive mercy? There is no room for ignorance. There is no room for we are not very sure. There is no room for anything because in the spiritual realm, everything is clear. It's open it here. Yeah. It's absolutely clear. You know what God is. You know what His holiness is. You've been singing probably. We don't know when the fall took place of Lucifer. Let us say he's been singing worship songs for a million years. <laughs> what is that you did not know? Who God is. Okay, who's seen his glory, he's seen everything. And then you decide to go against him. So there is no room for him. So from that peak he fell and he went down. So that's that's the explanation. <laughs> so when God comes to man, God comes to man in his sitting. But when Satan or Lucifer, they were in God's setting. Oh boy, that's solemn. And if you look at mm. that picture of about it in the spiritual realm of connecting to us, go to Hebrews chapter 6. Yeah. Okay. Hebrews you know, 6. No repentance. No. After oh, we okay. have seen that. Okay. Super. Hebrew. And then he's putting both this together. For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened. Now look at this. Have tasted the heavenly gift, that is salvation, have become partakers of the Holy Spirit, have tasted the good word of God and, and the, the powers of the age to come. They have experienced heaven in, in, in our, whatever in our limited capacity we can experience the other realm. Once you have experienced it, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance. It's, it's, it's very difficult. Because since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. Okay. It's very difficult because they already exist. So what are you telling them now? How are you to, oh, please repent, please repent? On what basis? Because they already know all the basis. God is holy, they know. Christ died for you, they know. You speak in tongues, they know. You have spiritual gifts, they know. They know it all. They've experienced all the powers of the age to come. What can be experienced over it? And they fall away. So how do you restore them? And what is the basis you restore them? Because they don't need any more teaching. Mm. They know teaching and they have experience. They have both. 
No, so how do you bring them to repent? On what is the basis you bring them to repentance? Is a question. There's no basis. So God says, "There's nothing you can do." I'm not saying they cannot come back, but I'm saying it's very difficult. Very hmm. difficult to renew them again. Okay, to make them new again. That's what the Bible is saying. So a picture is given over here of what can happen to us too when we experience the things of God. That's why Paul will say, "Demas love the world." Okay. And or how can Judas be restored? Because mm. he betrayed Jesus. Peter only because of fear. He didn't betray. He didn't sell Jesus. He only denied him three times because of fear. Yes, Pastor Vijay. One, one more question. Oh, you want to take? Okay, eight o'clock. Is there one more question? Is there a question? Ah, fine. Yeah. Go ahead. This is this is actually question number three is uh, a kind of uh, I think a, a continuation. The Christian must be a humble man. If he lifts up his head to say something, then he is nothing indeed. He does not know where he is or where he stands when he once begins to boast, as though his own hand has gotten the victory. So in other words, we have to quit boasting. How do you continue to live humbly before God? For me personally, I need to learn this being in the position that I am in. Who is this person first? <laughs> I trying to think. This came last week. I last think. week, yes. We didn't yeah, do it actually. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. This is uh, basically, I mean, I mean, so, see, we need to have very strong convictions about who God is. Very, very strong, deep understanding and actual conviction of who God is. That without God, neither the sinner nor the saint is able to do anything. That even the sinner, when he, like I said earlier, example, when the sinner sins, the power that he uses to sin is God's. Oh. If it is not God's, then why should <laughs> the sinner give an account to God? Mm, exactly. Okay. Everything is God's. So once we understand that, once we really, really, it's 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 a, it's a difficult thing, but it's a true thing. Once we really, really understand, I mean. That's one of the biggest issues with mankind and with Lucifer and all of them. <laughs> to actually accept the fact that without God, you are actually nothing. nothing. Not only are you actually nothing, you have nothing. You don't exist. The Even the ones in hell exist only because of God. Otherwise, there is no existence. It's only one creator. The rest is creation. Only one creator. Resist existed. And everything that has been created has been created out of nothing. He, he, you cannot even say he used something that was already there to create something. No, he, he was the only one there that was there. And he created everything out of nothing. Everything out of nothing. He is the absolute sovereign. That is the humbling part to realize that. I mean, it's difficult for our minds even to fathom it because we are living in a system where you get up and you think, okay, I have strength, I have this, I have this, I have that, I have that. But to understand the fact that everything that you think you have is his. Everything that you have, that he is the one who gives you the power even to disobey him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's don't, solemn that is <laughs> if he doesn't give you the power to disobey you cannot disobey him mm. the power is his, he gives you the free will you misuse it, that's your problem okay. 
that is where we need to understand that you know the that's where paul says that if i boast i will boast in, in christ cross. i'll boast in, in the, the in the cross the two things he will boast about about the cross what is the boast i died mm. two i will boast about what christ did through through me you know so that is the only thing we can say this is what god did through me okay and god says this christ did through me and that is what you can boast because you realize it's christ who did it Okay, and if you boast about something else, you will boast about the cross where I have died. I will boast. Thank you for the cross, not the cross on which Jesus died, but the cross you told me to carry. Okay, where the self is allowed to to die. Yes, Pastor Vijay, it's a very very serious thought. You have to meditate upon these yeah, just, things. Yeah, just just trying to <laughs> meditate upon things that honestly. Satan has no power of his own. Mm. Nothing. Nobody. You cannot say it is stolen because you cannot steal from God. Mm. Okay. <laughs> the gifts and callings of God are without No, it's it's like how can you steal from God when He's everywhere and He sees everything? Mm. <laughs> no, you cannot steal. He allows him to steal. Because mm. I gave it. One day I will take it back. But till then, run on it. The day that is coming, you will have no power, Satan. You will be cast in the lake of fire. You will be powerless. Absolutely powerless. And then they will look at him and say, is this the man who mm, did this yeah, who shook the nation? The day is coming. People, all these people, everybody who goes against the will of God, knowingly, unknowingly, refuses a chance of mercy and all, will become absolutely powerless. That is the picture of the rich man in crying in torment. He says, one drop. You do not have the power for one drop. It is absolutely powerless. Now we have power. It's God's power. But there's a day that is coming. He will remove it. He will remove one. First, when you talk about hell, not heaven, the lake of fire, first thing he will remove is his presence. He will remove his power. And he will remove his provision. And that's where you are. There's no presence. There's no power. There is no provision. Just lying in the lake of fire, tormented forever and ever and ever. That's it. He'll remove, he'll remove all of that. You know, all of that. Don't ever think the lake of fire because we think fire has got light. There will be no light. There will be fire without light. It's a different kind of fire because light is a manifestation of God's glory. There will be no light there. There will be fire there, but there will be no light there light there. It will be absolute darkness. Pitch darkness. Fire burning. That is no fellowship. It's absolutely alone. It's, oh, I will have my best friend also. Absolutely. Even Satan, I believe, will not have another demon to talk to. Absolutely. Because fellowship, even the fellowship which demons have, which sinners have, is given by God. Because fellowship is something, an attribute of, of God. God. Everything of God will be removed from that place. There'll be no fellowship. Absolutely lonely for eternity in pitch darkness and burning and no light. Tormented. Oh, to save us from that is what Christ came for. We don't even understand that. So all of eternity will be wondering one, the glories of being with God. And the other side of what we escaped. Redemption, from. the glories of redemption. No wonder they keep on singing hallelujah, holy, 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 holy. There is no one like you. The other the angels who did not go are thanking God for the how many billions. Thank God we didn't follow that fool. 
Like I said, Friday I said, no, he's a fool. He's a waster from the beginning. I mean, what are you getting from taking, ultimately from taking 10 more people into hell? What do you get out of it? You're getting nothing out of it. That's the nature of evil. He can't help it. He's evil. So he continues to be evil. Jealous. That so jealousy I mean, to the extreme level only. Okay. That is. Yeah. That's why he's a destroyer of everything that is good. But we'll pray. Lord, save as many as, Lord, all that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Show us, lead us, deliver people out of this pit they're going into. The world gets Worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So keep these things in mind. Yes, Pastor Vijay, will close in prayer. Pray. Lord, escape. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for the things that we have discussed and looked into, Lord. And truly, Lord, the more we chew on these truths that you have given to us through your scriptures, the more we realize how much you loved us, O Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord, fill our hearts with thanksgiving. Fill our hearts with praise. Lord, let thanksgiving be a natural expression of our life that doesn't have to be forced because we know what we have experienced through the, through the redemption of your Son for our souls, O Lord. Thank you. And everything that we have heard through this day, through even through this hour, O Lord, will bear fruit in our lives, O Lord. We will walk that straight and narrow path. And we will not stray to the left or to the right, but we will stay focused and finish the work that you have asked us to finish on this side of eternity. We'll be faithful stewards of every resource that you've given to us. And Lord, we'll reach on the other side to receive a commendation from you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. To that end, I pray that you would bless us and keep us, guard us, enable us, Lord Jesus, to look at the eternal things and not at the temporal things, O Lord. Take our eyes off the things of this world, but our hearts and our minds will be on things of God where Christ Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Lord, even as we rest tonight, Lord, be with us, O Lord. And if you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living, I pray, Lord, that we will all be found in your house on time, worshiping you, praising you, hearing from you, and preparing ourselves for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.